0: What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 63, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and my favorite team, the New Jersey Devils, has lost to each of the two teams in the Stanley Cup Final in the playoffs in their life. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's wearing a Marquette hat that he purchased in Door County, Wisconsin. Frank, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, what was that bevia cracked before the show?
0: You get one guess.
1: I'd say a Coca-Cola.
0: You in a new car. Those who don't know, they are not a sponsor, but if I could probably pick one sponsor in the world to sponsor my stuff, it'd probably be Coca-Cola. Ooh, running the Zero sugar Vanilla. Oh, vanilla. Okay, so that explains the cream can. Did you hear what they announced yesterday? Nope. This is a, a Joey Parisi announcement. I'm wondering if he knows about this. Shout out, Joey. We miss you. Um... They announced that the popular combination Jack and Coke is coming to canned beverages near you starting soon. The two companies have reached a partnership. It is a 5% alcohol by volume can. My guess is it's probably not as strong as the one as your local bartender makes at, you know, the local timeout or wherever it is you might go for your drinks, but... Jack and Coke on the fly. I'm sure there are some people about that who are happy.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of Jack and Cokes, really. I've had a couple of them, but they really never float in my boat. So,
0: yeah, for me, it's mixing Coca Cola with any alcohol just because Coca Cola is my favorite, like, beverage in the world. And to me, putting alcohol in it kind of ruins it. I'm not against putting alcohol in Sprite or, you know, a good uh, Pink Whitney with lemonade, like stuff like that. But, Coca-Cola, I don't like to mess with. Uh, it's it's the nectar of the gods in its purest form.
1: And there's no shot it's as strong as a normal Jack and Coke.
0: No, no. 5% alcohol. Yeah, no. I would taste it. I actually probably personally would like it more than a, a bartended Jack and Coke. Just cause I
1: guarantee you, by the end of the summer, we will have it at some point.
0: 1,000%. I mean, we have some Jack Daniels connoisseurs in our family. hmm and Mr. Joey Parisi himself is probably the leader of that pack. And speaking of Joey Parisi, Frank, we went on a family vacation last week. How'd it go?
1: I had a lot of fun. I got this hat from one of my favorite stores, Hathead. I love it. Um, going into the trip, I didn't expect to buy a Marquette hat. But the choices this year were kind of, eh, in my opinion. I've seen a lot better. Like when I found that Devil's Hat for you or that original six hat I have. But... I had to get something, and this is what came out to me. You know, I collect a, collect a lot of college hats, so this Marquette hat stuck out, and I, I really like it.
0: Absolutely, and I'm not wearing it right now because I didn't have access to it today. But I bought one of those old school New England Patriots hat. It's probably the best Patriots logo for me. I think the Patriots catalogs of logos, hats, helmets has been elite in their entire team history, but that to me is one of the best ones. It's an all red hat. It's the football Patriot. He's got the football down in front of him. So that's the hat I purchased from Hathead. Outside of that, the rest of the trip, fun in your eyes?
1: Oh, yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of different activities we did. The charter was a lot of fun. Didn't catch any fish, but it was still fun being out on a boat. Had a lot of good food. Um, My favorite food place that we ate at personally was Jackson Harbor Soup. That soup was just outstanding. Uh, That was the first time I've ever been there. I was expecting it to be good, but not like that. That was just one of my favorite soups of all time. Um, And I'm highly looking forward to going back.
0: I was going to ask you what was your favorite thing to eat (laughs) on that trip, and you answered it before I even had a chance to ask you. And we agree on our answer here. Um, Jackson Harbor soup was just – I said that right, right? Jackson Harbor I mean, they had just an all different assortment of soups. It was kind of like it was a bistro, so it had salads, soups, sandwiches. I think everybody had a taste of a different kind of sandwich and then different kinds of soups, bread bowls. Um, they had Pepsi, which not as good as Coke, but better than RC. Um, it was on Washington Island. For those of you who might not know, Washington Island is a little island, half-hour ferry ride away off of the Wisconsin Peninsula, and man. There's no cell phone service there. You'd get around everything via a map. But it was an old school way of living. But for the three hours we were there, I think it was a very interesting time. And I can't wait to go back.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, the food, in my eyes, at Jackson Harbor was okay. I would probably go with a different sandwich the next time. Um, but Grammy's potato. Grammy never let me down.
0: Grammy never. Oh, yeah. Grammy never lets you down. I had the beer cheddar and of course some broccoli cheddar. I tried multiple different kinds of soups while we were there. And man, there's Frankie's uh, Grammys right on the menu there. It was just, it was delightful to be there. And the food, it kind of took a while in my estimation for like the type of food that it was. But I would say that it was well worth it. And if you're ever going to Door County, Wisconsin, it's a wildly popular tourist attraction. In the state of Wisconsin, I would say like people who don't live in Wisconsin might not know about it as much, but if you live in Wisconsin, you know about Door County and it, it kind of surprised me how really great it was. And don't ever go there on a Wednesday though. (laughs) If you go on a Wednesday, if you try to go on a Wednesday to Jackson Harbor, you're going to have yourself a bad time. You're going to want to make sure you're able to get good food. So hopefully next year, they have really good soup again because that was just unbelievable. I'm so happy we got And go there. when
1: it's not raining either.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes it's the luck of the draw. Um, I would like to send a personal public shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Paula and Tom Mangarelli for inviting us on this trip. Um, it means the world to me that you included myself, my girlfriend, Caitlin, my brother, Joey, and of course, welcoming you into the family. I, I know you, I don't have to thank them on your behalf, but in a way I feel like I do because you're very important to me and seeing people that, you know, came into your life, treat you the way that they treat you. That means a lot to me as your cousin who cares a lot about you. So thank you to them from the bottom of my heart. Gee, it was a lot of fun and man, what? 356 days, 355 days yep. for the next one. One of, the, one of those two. I don't know. It's a long time, but it's also not a long time. It'll be here before you know it. So shout out to everyone. I really hope that, you know, everybody else had as much fun as I did because it was one of the best weeks of my life. You know, Scott Scott, wants to – go ahead. Go ahead. You can address
1: Scott. That's all we caught when we were out there. I I mean, it was a slow start to the trip. At first I thought we were going to come home catching nothing. But then one of the last days we're there – me and Joey combined caught three fish. He caught two and I caught one. Uh, I think he caught one small smallmouth and one rock bass. I think, and I caught a smallmouth as well, which was my first ever smallmouth because around here you all you find is largemouth. So yeah, it was a great change of pace to see some different fish that I'm not used to catching. Um, I just I know what I'm going to do differently next year and the spots I'm going to go to. Um, but yeah, he's not wrong. Great smallmouth fishing at Door County for sure.
0: I believe Joey broke his small mouth personal best,
1: mm-hmm. weight-wise. Is that correct? It's like 3.4 something, I think. Yeah,
0: very good. Shout out, Joey. Um, yeah, it was a great trip. Can't wait to go back. I know the Mangarelli family are great hockey people as well, especially Tom. And we're going to get to all the hockey you could possibly ever want right now in period number one. Welcome to period one. Frank, it's the most wonderful time of the year. The Stanley Cup's coming to one of these teams. Frank, it's Stanley Cup final time. It's probably – it kind of has, like, a Super Bowl feel to it for hockey fans. Like, the two teams that play in this series are just all over everything. You go online, you hit Twitter, and the thing you see, anything relating to the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning here, they're going to meet in the Stanley Cup final. I believe this is their first time ever meeting in the Stanley Cup final ever because the Colorado Avalanche – haven't made it in over 20 years, and the Lightning have four appearances in the final total. Um, But first, we're going to talk about how they got there. And of course, last series, the Western or the Eastern Conference champion Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Eastern Conference runner-up New York Rangers in six games. The New York Rangers clearly gave everything that they had to this Tampa Bay Lightning team who are now in the final for the third time in a row. Igor Shesterkin stood on his head as a goalie. He made things very, very difficult for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And man, in game number five, or in game number, five, yeah, five. Sorry, um, Brian Strome had the puck on his stick to put it behind Vasilevsky, and he whiffed on it. He missed it. That probably would have guaranteed a game seven. And you know, the rest, as they say, is history. But the Rangers are out. The Lightning are in the final. What a team, eh?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the Rangers really, really choked bad here. Um, I just want to go on the record and say when the Rangers went up 2-0, it was the easiest prediction of the past decade that the Lightning were going to come and win in six. I told you straight out after game two. Um, I'm not surprised in that sense, but it's just it would bug me so much as a player or even a coach that if your team goes up 2-0 – it should be a rare occurrence where you lose the series. Not like, oh, there's a chance that the other team's going to come back. Like, it should be, the percentages should be so skewed that you should end up winning the series. And it's just, it's embarrassing if you're a New York Rangers fan. Um, And it's just, the fact that I could see this stuff coming, or when you said, oh, Frank, uh, Penguins are up 3-1 to on the Rangers. I'm like, well, they could come back. Like, stuff like that shouldn't happen all the time. But it does, because that's sports. It's just how sports work but it's just really embarrassing for the New York Rangers when you see you're that close because you don't want to give Vasilevsky a chance to play when he has a chance to clinching. And we'll talk about that later, but
0: yeah. And the New York Rangers rode Igor Shesterkin as far as they can. Vasilevsky was the first elite goalie that they faced in the playoffs. In fact, he was the first starting goalie that they faced in the playoffs. So, you know, I do think the Rangers deserve a little bit of respect. They gave the lightning everything they can handle in their first year back in the playoffs. And it was kind of improbable that they would even make it to the conference finals at all. And to push the lightning, they didn't get them to the brink, which is would be game seven, but man, did they come close? I mean, that game, that game games, five and six, both could have went their way of the Rangers and they could be going to the Stanley cup final instead, but the lightning do what they do. And man, what what a crazy, crazy run for this Lightning team. Um, you want to know something I, I noticed? Um, I actually have this written down here. The 2000 – so the Lightning have been in the Stanley Cup final for four of the last seven seasons. Okay. Or is it more than that? I don't know. They've been in the final four times since 2015. In 2015, in the Eastern Conference finals, they beat the New York Rangers – In 2020, they beat the New York Islanders. In 2021, they beat the New York Islanders. And in 2022, they beat the New York Rangers. Why are the Lightning only ever able to make it to the Stanley Cup final if they play a New York team the round before?
1: I don't know. That's actually a weird stat to begin with. Um, Some may say experience because the Islanders don't have a ton of playoff experience now. They did back in the 80s. But this is a different team. And, you know, the Rangers without Lundquist, I mean – more so now. I mean, in 2015, we were talking a different story, but um, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just hard to believe. It doesn't really make any sense. I think eventually it just becomes like a mindset over like a habit. You know, if you get what I'm trying to say yeah. there, like it's like for the New York teams, they're trying to break a habit for, but for the Tampa Bay lightning, it's like a mindset for they're thinking. All right, well, this should be an easy win for us. Just look at history. History is going to repeat itself. And you're trying to break that uh, mindset if you're the um, New York teams. It's just really weird.
0: Yeah, I just think it's a funny coincidence. Like four st- or four straight times to the final for the Lightning ended over a win with over a New York team. And, of course, in 2015 they lost the Stanley Cup final to the Chicago Blackhawks. And in 2022, we will see what happens against the Colorado Avalanche. But man, thinking back to that team in 2015 with Tampa Bay, it it was so the same as it is right now, but also so different. Ben Bishop was the goalie, and Vasilevsky was the backup. And they had the triplets line. Kucherov wasn't what he is today, but he was playing with Johnson and Palat. Stamkos played on the top line with Killorn. It was just it was a fun team. I remember uh, you might remember Cedric Paquette. Mm -hmm. He played on the fourth line for Tampa Bay. Um, He has since moved on to other teams. I'm not even sure he's in the league anymore. But I want to ask you something about the New York Rangers. Do you think they'll be back sometime soon?
1: I don't. I thought it was kind of surprising that they even got this far. I didn't predict them getting to the Eastern Conference Final. I mean, they have the talent. We'll see um, what happens in the offseason, if they're going to keep anybody, if they're going to wheel and deal. Um, some of their players. I don't see them coming back and being this strong next year. Now, will they be a playoff team? I'd say yes from right now, but I also don't know the moves they're going to make and who they're going to sign or get rid of. Um, I just think it was kind of fluky. I'm surprised that the Rangers got this far in the first place.
0: Yeah, I have a real problem with the Rangers. They made it this far due to the fact that Fox and Chesterkin are outstanding. And, of course, they got production from Kreider, Zabanajad, and Panarin, of course. Those were their five best players this season. There's no doubt about it. Um, I believe they would be in the Stanley Cup final if Capo Caco and Alexis Lafreniere were better than advertised, or were as good as advertised. Alexis Lafreniere was the number one overall pick in 2020, and Capo Caco was the second overall pick in 2019, and neither of them have lived up to expectations. Capo Caco was a healthy scratch.
1: I was going to mention that. In
0: game six of the Eastern Conference final. You healthy scratched Capo Caco? I know he hasn't lived up to expectations, but I honestly think that did more harm than anything in terms of – the future of the Rangers, too. And if you're Capo Caco, how do you want to play for the Rangers anymore and try and develop your skills with them? It's just, uh, it makes me sick. I There was a video, New York Ranger fans, that surfaced a couple days ago when the Rangers lost, of them cheering when New Jersey took Jack Hughes because that meant that they got Capo Caco. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll see who's laughing now, punks. Yeah, they'd be in the final if your guys weren't bust. That's just a fact.
1: I get why people are upset that he was a healthy scratch, right? I understand it. I literally, or I don't hate the move personally, but I get why people are upset and why you may be upset, but he's done nothing in games three through five. He had, He he made a little presence in games one and two. Then I think in games three through five, he had like one shot on goal. That was it in a total of 30 minutes or something. I mean nothing was going right. I mean you got what are you just can't lay there and just die and just let the Tampa Bay Lightning steamroll you. You got to make changes. And if the changes are not what the fans are going to like and it might be hurtful to some players, got to do what you got to do. Healthy scratch in game 6 and they almost pull out the win. I'm not saying it's the right move but it's a move that I don't hate necessarily. Yeah,
0: no, I don't hate it either. Like he's done nothing. I called him a bust. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, is he more likely to accidentally run into a goal than a fourth liner that went in the lineup instead of him? My answer to that is probably. Uh, I do believe that. Even a big New York Ranger hater as I am, that's just something that's probably true. Like, you know, think of some skilled fourth liners on any team. Like, let's say, Let's say the Blackhawks still had Hagel and they were in the Western Conference final. And Hagel had a pretty good year, but not great. And he played like dog shit in the series. And then you scratch him in game six for eh, I don't even know who to name uh, Ryan Carpenter. Okay, well, Ryan Carpenter might not be as disappointing as Hagel in this dream scenario but Hagel's more likely to break out of it and score, I would say. So that's kind of just what I was thinking, like, wow, I can't believe that Capo Caco was the scapegoat for them when lots of their guys were playing like dog shit against Tampa Bay. But it is what it is. Gerard Gallant tried to answer the question after the game, and he did not take kindly to it. So told people he's not answering any questions about Capo Caco, so that just kind of tells you everything you need to know about how the Rangers view that pick. I mean, if that draft were redone, you could correct me if you disagree. I think Bowen Byram would have went ahead of him. I think Trevor Zegers would have went ahead of him. I certainly think Alex Turcott from the Los Angeles Kings would have went ahead of him. Hell, Kirby Doc might have went ahead of him. I think Kirby Doc has had a better start to his NH, and he's been a wild disappointment, and I still think he's had a better start to his NHL career than Capo Caco.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a crapshoot. The draft's a crapshoot. You could, you know, be rated that you're going to be one of the best players to get drafted, and then you could just ultimately shit the bed and not live up to expectations, and that's what Capo's doing. I mean, you you look at his career in the playoffs, 22 games. um, Some guys change in the playoffs, right? Some guys are more clutch in the playoffs. You look at Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7. There's just something when it gets to Game 7, he's just a different man in the playoffs. But overall, I mean, he's been kind of a bust in the regular season. Bust in the playoffs in 22 games, he's got five points. Um, It's just yeah, I don't know. I, they, they totally lost out on that pick. There are so many other guys who would go ahead of them now, but that's the beauty of the lottery. You never know what you're going to get. You could get a great guy in the sixth round, but you could get a, somebody crummy in the first round. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of ifs and ands or buts. Or what could have went wrong or who would have went ahead of them now? But, yeah, I'm sure they're stirring really mad right now that they went with that pick.
0: Yeah, especially since the way things have gone for them since. Zabanejad turned into a star. They signed Panarin. They acquired Fox, who didn't want to play for the Hurricanes anymore. He's now one of the five best defensemen in the NHL. Shosturkin turned into what he turned into. They were a more ready-to-win-now team than they were when they made that selection. But I still think there's room for Capo Caco to become a really good NHL player. I think of a guy like Evander Kane, who when he first got to the Winnipeg Jets, he struggled and he was kind of looking like a bust and then he got traded to the Buffalo Sabres and he was awesome and ended up with the San Jose Sharks like turned himself around and had a really nice NHL career and is now probably going to get paid rather large after what he did with the Edmonton Oilers this season so like it wouldn't shock me if Capo Caco has you know a couple 30 goal seasons in him becomes a really good NHL player one day but it just hasn't worked so far with the Rangers and it's kind of led to their downfall in the postseason. So I agree with you. I don't think it's they're going to be back right away. Their best players are all in their 30s now, and that's not necessarily the biggest recipe for success in the NHL. Um, sometimes the draft doesn't turn out the way you thought, like you said. Uh, Steve Dangle one time had a video where he was talking about the draft, and he said the draft is like the big scary tiger cave from Aladdin. Who disturbs my slumber? that's the draft you never know what you're going to get when you walk into that big scary tiger cave every now and then you come out with a jack Hughes. sometimes you come out with a capo caco one thing i'll say my favorite team the new jersey devils they won the lottery in 2017 they made the number one overall pick and they got the second best player in the draft i love nico he's with my whole heart he's the devil's captain he's one of their best players he was one of the best players in the nhl in the second half of this year they missed out on the greatest defenseman Probably whoever lived. Kale McCarr went for. I mean, they're not the only team that passed on them, so they don't really take much flack for it. Like, because are you going to rip on the Flyers and the Stars too? Like, no, nobody really – it kind of came out of nowhere. It was always going to be either Sure or Patrick. But, man, as good of a player as he sure is, if that draft was redone, he'd go second. And that's just the way it works. So, And speaking of Kale McCarr – His Colorado avalanche swept the Edmonton Oilers out of the Western Conference Finals. Listen, Connor McDavid, he put on the greatest show I've seen in the playoffs, I think. And we've seen Patrick Kane razzle-dazzle. But every year, Patrick, every cup year for the Hawks, Patrick Kane had at least one series that worried people. In 2015, it was legitimately the Stanley Cup final. You know, Victor Hedman kept Patrick Kane off the score sheet until game six when Sod and Richards made that awesome play to get Kane the goal to make it 2 nothing Hawks in game six. But for the most part, he was quiet that series. McDavid was never quiet. Even in, the, even in the series, they got swept. He was just unbelievable. And I tip my cap to the Edmonton Oilers because people always say it's the McDavid and Dreisaitl show. And I personally don't agree with that. I don't think you get to the east to the Western Conference Finals on the back of two guys. Sure, do they rely on their top two guys more than every other team in the league? Of course they do. But Yamamoto had a really good year. Puliyarvi had a really good year. Evander Kane was dynamite. I really like um, the what Tyson Berry did for them as an offensive defenseman. Um, I'm blanking on his name now. The other defenseman, uh, Darnell Nurse was outstanding. Mike Smith had his ups and downs in the playoffs. The Colorado Avalanche were a different animal for him. He was really good. He was really good and really bad against the Avalanche, and he was just really good against the Calgary Flames, except for game one. And so, you know, up and down for him, they probably should get a goalie upgrade for sure, at least somebody younger. But uh, the Colorado Avalanche, man, they were one of the best teams in the West all season long. What's your reaction?
1: They're a different breed. They're like not even an NHL team. They're the step above an NHL team, yep. if there were one. It's, yep. you know, they're just doing something magical, and they—they're one of those teams that were dominant in the regular season. You finish second in the league in points. You don't win the President's Trophy, which can turn out to be a good thing if that curse is really truly a curse. Um, and then they just took off in the playoffs. And we're seeing like one of the best postseasons by a team of all time, having only two losses up to this point. It's truly remarkable. Um, Yeah, I mean, you go back in all of our watching days in the NHL, and very rarely could you say a team's gotten to the cup off of two sweeps because sweeping any team is tough. You know, I don't care who you're playing against. If you're playing against Nashville with not a healthy team, you're still playing against an NHL team. You know, they might not be fully a fully capacitated team or be at full capacity, but they're still an NHL team at the end of the day. And you still got NHL players on that team. And the Colorado Avalanche just seemed to dummy anybody they play. And just when you think that you got the Colorado Avalanche on the brink, you got that lead in the third period, they end up snatching it right in front of your eyes and end up winning the game. And that is why we're sitting here talking about them having two sweeps and the Blues took them to six, which was just incredible that they got them that far.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Colorado's very good. There is one major flaw for them that we'll talk about in the second period, something that worries me in their upcoming series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I like everything about this team. And the way they played against the Edmonton Oilers showed me that the fast can get faster. And Edmonton has the fastest player with the puck who ever lived in Connor McDavid. I do believe that Um, there have been players who are equally as fast, but every human being ever has slowed down a little bit when the puck is on their stick, not McDavid. He might even legitimately get faster. And I'm sorry that I don't get to see McDavid anymore. Um, until next season but I do believe he will win the Stanley Cup in his career I saw something from him this year that I believe kind of changed my perception on the whole thing you saw it a little bit with Crosby early in his career before they got that one in 09 or even before Washington got theirs in 2018 like can they get to that next gear that you need from your top stars to win the Stanley Cup we've seen it from Taves. We've seen it from Kane. T- Taves and Kane were so good in the playoffs that their names are still popping up on graphics throughout the playoffs of like most active players with this amount of points in this and most amount of goals in that. I saw Taves on a list of most – he's the second leader in the NHL right now, goals in the conference finals. And he hasn't been in the conference finals in six years, seven years. So – you need those guys to step up. And I believe Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidle both proved that they can do that. And Drysidle did it on half a foot. He was playing with one and a half legs in this series. So shout out to the Edmonton Oilers. It was a great season. They got farther than any of us would have ever guessed they would. And
1: they just need a goaltending change. Yeah, they do. If and they with Mike Smith, don't expect anything to happen next year.
0: Yeah. I think they need a couple more defensemen, too. They, they used a lot of Duncan Keith and Cody CeCe at their advanced ages. Tyson Berry's nice as a fourth D offensive guru, power play, and then Darnell Nurse is their number one. If Darnell Nurse was ever their number two, I think they'd really be cooking. Um, I like um, – now I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Bouchard, Evan Bouchard. He was the defenseman taken that the Hawks could have had when they took Boquist instead. But um, – He's a really good young defenseman. I believe he was their number four or five for the most part this year, but he can keep developing and getting better. So, you know, m- maybe one or two more like really good D and they'll have a chance to pull something off. Like could they trade a RV or a Yamamoto to address the defense, knowing what McDavid and Dreisaitl could do with a couple of grocery store baggers on their line? You know, me or you would – Score 30 playing with those guys. So that's not really true at all. But um, I used to love when people used to say that about Crosby. Well, anybody could play with Crosby and shit on his line mates saying that anybody could do it. Really? The reason there's only a reason that only Jake Gensel and Pascal Dupuis have ever stayed on his line consistently throughout his career. Oh, and Kunitz. And Kunitz. But like Neil never was able to play with Crosby, he only ever played with Malkin. Because Malkin played more of a perimeter game where Crosby likes to battle down low. So it's a different recipe for every single team. But now we have the Stanley Cup final set between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Rangers and Oilers are out, and we will preview that series in period number two. Welcome to period two where we will go over the Stanley Cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. First, we will preview each team. Frank, the Colorado Avalanche, one of the best teams in the league for the last five or six years. What do you like about this team from a grand scope?
1: Um, I like that they have a lot of variety. They have a lot of depth. Um, And it's actually kind of crazy when I was sitting here breaking down both teams, how both teams' games differ from one another in a huge way. And you'll see it as we break down each section of the team on how different these two teams actually are and the types of games they play.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, They just – they're fast. All four of their lines. It's almost like they just dominate everyone – by just being faster and of course everything starts and ends with the skaters on this team I think there's a couple weaknesses but we'll start with the forwards I mean they're the big four I would say Um, we'll see about the health of Nazem Kadri as we go forward but you know he's part of the the mix there that Stirs the or the straw that stirs the drink there, and then of course, Nathan McKinnon leads the way. He's not only the best forward on the Avalanche, he's right there with Austin Matthews and Leon Drysidel in the debate for second best player in the NHL. I would say McDavid's number one, and I would put Matthews too because sometimes Matthews looks like number one. If we're being honest with each other, he looks like one sometimes, but and then McKinnon's right there as well, so he leads the way. Obviously, they have. Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen there as well. What do you think about the forwards of this team?
1: Well, like I said, um, their depth on offense is a little more spread out. Hey, I'll read you some names, and then when we get to the Tampa Bay Lightning, if you if everybody remembers what I'm saying right now, you'll see how different it really is. So you got McKinnon, obviously, probably the best forward in my opinion on the team. I, I to me, it really can't be argued. Um, yeah, he's got 18 points. Landis Gogg, 17 points. Rantanen, 17 points. Kadri, 14 points. He's only played 13 games, though. And then I think uh, a player on their forward team that not a lot of people talk about is Lekkanen. Um, he's got 11 points. He, he's been a huge contributor to this offense. Um, and, and that's what I love. You got 18.17, 17, 14, 11, got all spread out through your, like all different parts of this team are getting points and they haven't even played as many games as the Tampa Bay lightning. They are just, I just love the depth they have on offense and anybody at any given moment could chip in for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they're just so dynamic. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team that plays like this. I mean, The way that Nathan McKinnon, he has the ability to shoot, pass, be like a big physical presence. He creates chances down low. He battles. He leads. I I don't know if I would call him a power forward, but at the same time, maybe because he does have that like power move where he just gets in tight and then his hands are just so soft. It's almost like a mixture of what Sidney Crosby does well and then you combine it with what Connor McDavid does well and then you get Nathan McKinnon now he's probably not going to reach the career apex of a Crosby or a McDavid but when you take their best overall skill sets and put them into one player you get McDavid or McKinnon because he's got that big body hard to move but then he's just so fast and soft hands he's an interesting skater to watch because he like kind of gallops a little bit when he like starts taking his strides but it's as flawless and as explosive as McDavid, and man, is he fun to watch. He's definitely the highlight of their forward group. Um, I want to talk to you about their defense a little bit. Obviously, they have one of the best defense cores in the NHL. It's led by Cale McCarr, who probably is the best defenseman in the NHL. And right I don't think he's going to win the Norris Trophy. He's going to come in second behind Roman Yossi. But sometimes having like a slightly worse season offensively, then the top guy doesn't make you not the most explosive guy or the most feared guy, because I think that is Kale McCarr. Um plays on a great team. He's obviously in a really good position to do stuff like that. Um, but he's got a great supporting cast on D behind him. Devin Taves. I honestly think that's one of the worst trades Lou Amarello ever made as a GM. He's been with the Devils, Leafs, and Islanders, and he took two second round picks for Taves. I just can't believe that he did that. Um, Now he's with Colorado, and he's sensational. They get a lot out of Bowen Byram these days. I thought he was magnificent in their series against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Eric Johnson, um, Mason, or Manson, sorry. They just are unreal on defense, and I love the way that they play. And I heard some people online talking shit about Kale McCarr in terms of his ability to play defense. Do you watch the games? What makes Kale McCarr so good is his ability to skate. He's basically the Connor McDavid of defensemen. Mm -hmm. He's fast. He's nimble. He he makes sweet plays using his legs and his speed and his skill. And I I believe he could play forward. I think he'd be less effective because of what he brings from the back end. Because I'm not sure Connor McDavid could play defense. Like, I don't think those things necessarily translate. But – McKinnon or McCar made a play on McDavid in this series where McDavid looked like he was going to have a clear breakaway and McCar was able to back check him and poke the puck away. I couldn't believe what I was watching. So if you tell me that McCar's is all what he is because of offense, you just tell me exactly that you don't watch hockey very much. What See are your the- thoughts on their defense?
1: the Colorado Avalanche defense is built a very specific way and once again is completely different from the Tampa Bay Lightning that's why i just i love dissecting these two teams and i'm glad these are the two teams in the finals because you got polar opposites here See, what you got for the Colorado Avalanche is you got McCarr. So he leads the league – or he leads um, the Avalanche in points with 22 points. And he's your offensive defenseman. He can play defense well, but he's also there on offense to get you some goals. You got Taves. Taves is another offensive defenseman. Um, He's got 13 points. He'll chip in. He'll get you some goals. But then you got the rest of the guys on the team. And there's a really big drop-off if you look at – the scoring. The rest of the defense is kind of like defensive defensemen. So you got your guys on defense that could score. You got McCarr and Taves. And you know, once in a while, your other defensemen on the team will chip in and get a couple uh, goals there. But then you also got your guys who are just specifically like playing defense. And I think that is a perfect recipe when you have some guys on defense that could score and some guys on defense who just play defense. I think that is crucial for a successful NHL team. You just don't want all guys on defense that could score because it won't translate well in the back end either. I mean, too much of anything is bad, but you also don't want guys who are just playing defense because I think what makes some of these guys and some of these teams so good is that you have the defenseman that could score. So when you have a mix of both and you got elite players like Makar and you got Tays playing a really good postseason, I think it translates well. And I think that their system that they're running with that has just worked out tremendously and ultimately a big part of why they're in the Stanley cup final.
0: I couldn't agree more. It's an outstanding group and they're hard to beat because they're fast they have a little bit of everything in terms of their skaters i'm a little bit worried about their goaltending that's the one part of their team that concerns me a little bit in addition to one other fact about their team not really necessarily something with their roster but i'll get to that in a minute what do you think of colorado's goaltending
1: i think it's it's actually been soft despite only having two losses this postseason Uh, Their goaltending has actually, I'd go on and say terrible. And I think that's where Tampa has the biggest um, advantage here in the series. Kemper has a 265 goals against and an 897 save percentage. You can't dip below nine in the playoffs. I mean, come on, below nine save percentage, that's just ridiculous. And then you look at uh, Francois, um, who's got a 906 save percentage, 286 goals against average. It's just really been soft. I mean, you don't necessarily need to be the best in every stat, but you can't come in with that type of goaltending with the Tampa Bay Lightning on the other end. That's just – I think that's where the there's a huge advantage for Tampa in that category right there.
0: I couldn't agree more. And also, Kemper has dealt with injuries, right? Like he hasn't been like fully healthy in these playoffs. And Francois has been an uh, admirable backup, I guess I could say. But – using your backup in the Stanley cup final isn't necessarily going to be what you want. I definitely think it is the biggest weakness on the Colorado avalanche and something that makes them vulnerable to the Tampa Bay lightning. But I definitely think their forwards and defense are going to put in a lot of effort to protect the house as they say. And that brings us to the Tampa Bay lightning, Frank, they have won the Eastern conference three years in a row now. Oh yeah, And uh, they we've said it all along they have hall of famers all over the place i do believe if the leafs would have beat them they'd be in this position stand by that i cannot believe that for the third time in four years the team that beat the toronto maple Leafs made it to the stanley cup final which backs up everything i've been saying is they literally just run into the one team that's better than them in the first round every year and it's just wild to me but they deserve it there's nothing that's not true about the fact that they beat the Leafs, they deserved it. It was nothing about it. it was cheeky. It was just a well-executed postseason by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we have to start with their forwards. I'll let you talk about pretty much every other forward, and you can talk about this guy too if you want. But I wanted to say some nice things about Steven Stamkos. Okay. In 2014, Steven Stamkos broke his leg on Labor Day or it wasn't Labor Day, it was Veterans Day, excuse me. And the only reason I remember it was Veterans Day was because it was a day game, and me and Joey were watching it at college on our phone. I was watching it on my phone, I remember, and Steven Stamkos broke his leg. It hit the post when he was trying to score a goal on Tuca Rask, and it was broken, and he missed the Olympics. He missed the rest of that season. He had a blood clot the year after in the playoffs, Stamkos dealt with some shit early in his career after a couple 60 goal seasons. Like he got to the top, stayed there for two or three years. There was a point where he was like the second or third best player in the NHL in a lot of people's estimation. And then he got hurt and he was always hurt. And every year Stamkos hurt, man, can you imagine what this lightning team would be doing if Stamkos was healthy and at the height of his problems? (laughs) Yeah, I can. They're in their cup for the third straight season. Like, He has just been unbelievable. Next year, he will score his 500th career goal. He will score his 1,000th career point, and he will play in his 1,000th game if he plays over 70 games. So he's a Hall of Famer to me already, even though he's probably got a lot of years left. He had the quietest 100-point season you'll ever see this year, and he had a statue game against the New York Rangers in game number six a couple days ago he scored the only two goals that the Tampa Bay Lightning scored at all, and they won the game 2-1 to to advance to the Stanley Cup final. In 2020, in the bubble even, he was hurt. And he came out, he scored the one goal on on one of the two shifts that he played, and then he was out again from there. But he was able to contribute to that team winning the Cup in 2020. Luckily, the rest of the team was able to pick him up as well. But this year, he proved that he is just one of the very best players in the NHL. He's kind of reinserted himself back in that conversation of like a top seven or eight player in the whole league. And I honestly think what he did against the New York Rangers last week in game number six will earn him a statue. That's, and to be a statue guy, like I think Taves and Kane are statue guys just because the Hawks were so trashed for so long and they brought them back and won the three cups and, but, like, think of who are statue guys. Like, I'm pretty sure Mario Lemieux is a statue guy for Pittsburgh. Crosby might follow him. I'm not sure Malkin will follow him. He's a top 20 player ever. It's just so rare to be a statue guy, and I think Stamkos is going to be that for the Lightning because he's meant that much to them, and he leads the way in terms of their forwards.
1: Not including anybody on the Hawks. Uh, Steven Stamkos is probably my favorite player in the league. Um, he always has been. Before I even started watching hockey and I used to play the NHL video games, the Tampa Bay Lightning were the, my go-to team just because I liked the idea of a lightning bolt and the color scheme. And So I've always been a Stamkos guy. Um, but it, when you take a look at this Tampa Bay Lightning offense, here's where it really differs from the Colorado Avalanche offense. So your three guys on top, you got Nikita Kucherov, Andre Pilat and Steven Stamkos, Kucherov 23 points, Palat 16 points, Stamkos 15 points, but then your number four is Ross Colton with eight points. I mean, look at how top-heavy their offense is, where the Colorado Avalanche have more of a spread-out offense. You got 23 points, 16 points, and 15 points, plus they played three extra games in the Colorado Avalanche. So when you got Corey Perry and Ross Colton at eight points, you're not even averaging half a point a game. It's like Stamkos, Palat, and Kucherov have just taken over this Tampa Bay Lightning game. They're they're also a team that doesn't score much, but we'll dissect that here in a second when we get to the defense. But their their offense is really top heavy, but obviously they're used that that's what they're used to. They're used to playing low scoring games. I mean, you even look back at when they were in the Stanley Cup against the Blackhawks in twenty fifteen. The Hawks won two to nothing. There weren't a ton of six five games it's like their system really hasn't changed that much. Um, And and that'll kind of transition here when we talk about their defense.
0: Yeah. And one thing I wanted to point out to you is Braden Point would be in that mix if he wasn't hurt for most of the playoffs. I'm not sure what his status is going to be for the entire series of the Stanley Cup final, or even if he'll play tonight, I could actually probably get on that right now, but he'll be in that mix. And I think even though he doesn't have as many points, you can consider him to be, Okay, breaking news. Braden Point is in for game number one, and they're still waiting on Hegel to find out if he will play. And so I would put Braden Point in that top-heavy category with Kucherov and Palat because the reason he doesn't have the points is because he wasn't there. He would be there had he played. I believe he's that skilled. I think he's the third-best forward on the team. Um, But I'll tell you what, Frank. They have a lot of guys with eight points, seven points. Their third line is solid, and they are able to put them out there against the other team's best players and be confident that even if they don't score themselves, neither will the opposition. And with Braden Point out, they've been using four different guys on their third line, Corey Perry, Andre Palat, or not Andre Pilat Corey Perry, um, Ross Colton, um, what's his name, Brandon Hagel, and Nick Paul. Those four guys have kind of made up the third line, depending on what the status of point was throughout the playoffs. But if point plays tonight and so does Hagel, I think that spreads out the wealth a little more than what the previous version of the playoff says. Cause I do think point joining the lineup changes everything. It creates better matchup for a guy like Ross Colton and makes a better matchup for a guy like Brandon Hagel and Corey Perry is going to do what Corey Perry does. And You know, if the Lightning lose the Stanley Cup final, Corey Perry will have lost the Stanley Cup final three years in a row. Um, It's just a remarkable team to me. I think the forward edge would have to go slightly to the Colorado Avalanche, but I think the way the points have been dispersed in these playoffs is a little bit deceptive because of what's gone on with Braden Point.
1: Yeah, it's no disrespect to Braden Point. I'm just talking about the guys who specifically have been here this postseason. That mm-hmm. it's been top heavy for yep. these three guys. But like you said, they're third lines killer, and not necessarily that they're out there to score goals, but just to make sure that the opposition doesn't score goals, which is why I can't wait to talk about the defense here, because the defense is also a hundred and eighty degree polar opposite from the Colorado Avalanche.
0: Oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. But really quick, I want to do bring up one more forward. He plays on their fourth line most of the time. Patrick Maroon has won is it 12 straight playoff series or 11 straight playoff series? No, 12 because he won the Stanley cup with the St. Louis blues in 2019. There's four. Then he won it. It's, it's gotta be more than that. Then I don't even know the exact number. I'm bad at math in 2019. He won the four with the St. Louis blues in 2020. He won the four with the Tampa Bay lightning in 2021. He won the four with the Tampa Bay lightning. And now he has won three. With the Lightning this year. It's 15 15 straight playoff series victories for Patrick Maroon. Now, he's not like leading the way by any means, but I do think that says a lot about what he brings to a team in terms of his value. Not necessarily because of offense, but just going out there and being a good fourth liner, a good player who can contribute some offense here and there. This has probably been his least fruitful postseason in the offseason or in the offensively speaking. But I don't know. It's, it's honestly wild that he's in the cup for the fourth straight season and has won 15 straight postseason series. But, yeah, I'll let you start off with the defense.
1: Yeah, so their defense, the Tampa Bay Lightning, whereas I was talking about how the Colorado Avalanche, you got Makar, Taves, who – McCard like 22 points. Taves has 13 points. You got your mix of the good, the guys who could score, and you got your guys who just sit back and play defense. Now the Tampa Bay Lightning, why they're so different is you look at their each. I'm going to mention three defensemen. They've all played in all 17 games so far. The scoring is just besides Hedman, but the scoring is just dramatically down to where this defense is built around playing low-scoring games, which carries off of Vasilevsky. And when you have good goaltending, you're fine with playing low-scoring games, um, especially when you got Kucherov, Palat, Stamkos, whoever, putting the puck in the net. But you got Hedman, who's only scored two goals. Sergachev, one goal. McDonough, one goal. Um, Hedman does have 14 points, but then you got Surgachev, seven points. Your your number three defenseman statistically is McDonough with four points. I mean, their defense is just focused on or yeah, solely on playing defense. And they let their top guys do their work. They don't mind playing that patient game. That's what they live for, is that patient game. And that's what I told you back when the lightning uh lost to the Hawks in 2015, a lot of the things were still the same as what we're seeing now. There was a lot of low scoring games because they just, you know, they put so much stock into their defense and so much stock into their goaltending that they don't mind to wait to the third period to score. If they have to win a 1-0, 2-1 game, it doesn't matter to them. That's the difference. The biggest difference that we see from the Colorado avalanche is where Colorado has a bit more of an offensive defense, but also has the mix of, um, Regular defensive defenseman, the Tampa Bay Lightning's just really heavy in playing these low-scoring games, and they don't have the greatest offensive defenseman besides Hedman. The others really don't; they're they're really not there to sit here and score five, six goals this postseason. And neither does Hedman. Hedman's work really comes in on the assists, but yeah, it's crazy.
0: I honestly think two of the three best defensemen in the NHL are playing in this series. I would put Roman Yossi in that mix. The Predators aren't as strong of a team as these two. But they used to be um, with Yossi. So he's had his cake. Um, and maybe they will again too one day soon. But Victor Hedman is just – he's on another planet right now. I still think if I could take one defenseman and like pluck him off their team and put him on the Devils right now, it'd be hard to go against Kale McCarr, but it would also be hard to go against Victor Hedman just because I think – if you were to build a guy in a lab to play defense in the NHL, it would come out as something close to Victor Hedman because he chips in offensively. He's got a big shot. He can make awesome passes. He can run a power play. He can kill penalties. And he's already a Hall of Famer in my mind. He's got a Conn Smythe trophy, a Norris trophy. Um, two two Stanley Cups might be three soon. Um, I just... I think the world of this guy, he if there's somebody who can make the Colorado Avalanche look and feel slower, it's gonna be Victor Hedman. And he's got a workload. We've seen what he can do with Patrick Kane playing in the final. We saw him Montreal or Dallas for that matter didn't really have like a top flight forward like that, like a Kane or like a McKinnon in either of their series. They had some really good forwards. I mean, Pavelski is no joke, neither is uh Ben Sagan. Um thinking about some of the guys Montreal had last year. Suzuki was on fire, Cole Caulfield. But it's going to be a task with this Colorado Avalanche team, and I believe he can live up to it. So we'll see what he's able to do. I do enjoy watching Sergachev play. Um, he's outstanding defenseman, kind of playing as their, like, number three or four guy, obviously. Ryan McDonough's been there, done that. He played for the Rangers in 2015 when they lost to the Lightning and now he was on the other side of it with the Lightning this year, so that's interesting to to note. But I like Tampa's defense. If I had to give an edge on defense, this might be – I think each team has something they lead in. Obviously, you know what I think Tampa Bay has the edge in. You know what I think Colorado has the edge in. Defense is equal. I honestly think defense is probably closer to equal just because they each have one of those like fide number one guys, and they each have a really, really good number two. Talking about Taves and talking about um, McDonough, and then they each have like a young kid who is just really good and solid. At talking about you know guys like for the Avalanche, obviously Bowen Byram, and then with Tampa Bay, it's Sergachev, and then the rest is just kind of filled out the way it is. I'm not sure Gerard is healthy for Colorado, so I think you know they might have more like notable players in Tampa Bay, but. Jan Ruda, guys like that for Tampa, they get the job done and they they do it well. So it's going to be interesting. I would go equal on those two. But when you talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and you get over talking about Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos, and Nikita Kucherov, you think you're done talking about complete superstars, right? Because how many teams have more than three Hall of Famers on their squad right now? The Tampa Bay Lightning. Because Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world. And I know Shesterkin's going to win the Vezina Trophy, and man, he deserves it. But Vasilevsky has the ability to not only dominate the regular season, because I think Vasilevsky, wasn't he nominated as well with Shesterkin? Like, Mm -hmm. he had an elite season too. Wasn't it Vasilevsky, Markstrom, and uh, Shesterkin?
1: Yeah, I think it was, yeah.
0: And, you know, so it's not like he was a bum during the regular season. He'll probably come in second place. Maybe third. I don't know how much they value shutouts. But he has another level to get to, kind of like McDavid. He's the McDavid of goalies. He has another level to get to when it matters most. And, man, is he just unstoppable. He's given up two goals in elimination or in clinching games in the last eight clinching games, one of the Rangers this year and one of the Leafs this year. So if Tampa Bay ever gets Colorado on the brink, you would imagine that they're toast. Because you know Colorado kind of needs to end this thing early. I think if it goes long, advantage Tampa.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, this is something that is what I was going to say. The fact for Colorado that scares me, kind of like the Rangers, they have played backup goalies in all three rounds. Daddy Vasilevsky is coming for you, Colorado. And I'm not saying, you know, I don't think Colorado has a chance to win because they do. I think this is probably one of the more even Stanley Cup finals going into it that we've seen in a long time. But it's just a different monster right now with Vasilevsky compared to, you know, doing Mike Smith or Koskinen with Edmonton. Or uh, they got rid of Binnington early, so they were ending up facing uh, Husso. For most of that series and then in round number one UC Saros wasn't even injured and I don't even remember the damn guy's name that replaced him so that tells you what you need to know about him it's just a different monster what they're about to face I hope that doesn't hurt Colorado because they've been so fortunate with their matchup potential in the first three rounds because this Tampa Bay Lightning team and they put Andre Vasilevsky in between those pipes it's a whole different ball game your thoughts on Vasilevsky
1: yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it. The thing that I want to touch on just a tad more is you mentioned his uh, clinching games when he has a chance to clinch the series. His goals against is 0.25, and his save percentage is 0.991 with six <laughs> shutouts. Six shutouts.
0: <laughs> when, stats, when stats crack someone up, they're either disgustingly puke or they're disgustingly outworldly awesome.
1: And I, it's just, that's where the Colorado, Colorado can't get on the brink of elimination. Otherwise, Vasilevsky is going to turn on God mode and things could go south. But I think the Colorado Avalanche could not let it get to that point. I think they're good enough to not let it get to that point. And if it gets to that point, maybe they'll do something that not a lot of teams have had success doing. That's exploit Vasilevsky. But, um, yeah, Vasilevsky, 227 goals against, 928 save percentage. As you could tell, world's better than Kemper and Francois. Um, And that's why the Tampa Bay Lightning, hands down, have the goaltending edge in this series.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. It's honestly remarkable what Tampa's been able to do with Vasilevsky. I mean, he was Ben Bishop's backup when the Hawks played them in the Stanley Cup final in 2015 and now he's just a bona fide superstar and one of the best goalies who ever lived. I mean, I can't, was it Gretzky? I can't remember who it was. Went on the TNT show and said that he's on the NHL Mount Rushmore of goalies now, because I think everybody knows that Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, and Dominic Hasek are like the big three in NHL history, and then you can argue the fourth guy in a multitude of different ways. There are probably some people in New York that think it's the king because Henrik Lundqvist does have a case for it. Um, Carey Price certainly has a case for it. I mean, how often do you see a goalie win MVP? Uh, that rarely ever happens, and Price did that, so he's obviously in the conversation. But if Vasilevsky wins his third straight cup and – to me, the con Smythe is a toss-up. We'll get to that in a minute, but he's in the mix. Um, I just think he's like fully gonna put himself on that Mount Rushmore for right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he's just been so good. And I honestly can't wait to see it's almost like a immovable object meets an unstoppable force when the Colorado Avalanche are facing this guy. And I can't see it being anything other than close. Like, I'll be stunned if one team pulls away from the other after going over each of these teams' uh, rosters just now. But, Frank, we're at the one-hour, one-minute mark of the show. We're going to have some fun in period number three. We're still going to talk hockey and stuff, too. But this is the part of the show where I ask you, who does Frankie Mueller think is going to win the 2002 Stanley Cup?
1: So, a lot of people are going to go into this series and say Tampa Bay Lightning is going to do it again. Three years in a row, they're destined. They're the more experienced team. But I think Colorado is going to win the cup this year. They are putting on, as I said, one of the best postseason performances that I've seen with only having two losses up to this point. Not only that, but they are undefeated when they're reaching the cup. They've never gone to the cup and lost in the Stanley Cup final. They've only been to the cup twice, and both times they've won the cup. Um, I just – That was
0: the best Devils team ever.
1: The Colorado Avalanche are just a different breed right now. I just – if there's a team to stop them, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, And if if the Tampa Bay Lightning were playing any other team, I would probably be choosing the Tampa Bay Lightning. But it just seems like the Colorado Avalanche – are just doing something magical this year. McKinnon wants it so bad. These guys, Makar, wants a Stanley Cup so young in his career that these guys are going to do whatever it takes. If they find ways to exploit Vasilevsky, they're going to do it. I see him doing it. This is their year. Avalanche are going to win the series.
0: Normally, when I pick something opposite of you, I like adamantly disagree with you. Like, could not understand how you think that way. But that's not the case here. And I, I honestly think you might feel the same, right? Is that correct? Because, like, you know, whenever we did, we've both been right and we've both been wrong throughout many sports here since we started podcasting together. Um, in this one, neither of us are going to be wrong, in my opinion, because if Colorado wins, I won't feel dumb. And if Tampa Bay wins, I don't think you'll feel dumb. Like if Edmonton would have won, we would have both been shocked. We would have both been like, how the H did that happen? (laughs) But here it's like, if it goes, we, the Stanley cup has never in a hundred years of NHL hockey been awarded to a winner of a game seven overtime ever. This could happen this year. Like it would not surprise me if going in, if there was a matchup that could do it, it's this one. And man, man, Can you imagine if Game 7 Stanley Cup Final went to overtime? I think I'd shit my pants. I'm dead serious. I'm not above shitting my pants. I would do it with my hand on my heart if Game 7 got to overtime. I honestly think that would be unbelievable theater. The next goal for either team – the Cup has been awarded in overtime many times – Patrick Kane won it in overtime for the Blackhawks in 2010. Alec Martinez won it for the Los Angeles Kings in 2014. Um, I I think that's probably the last time the Stanley Cup was awarded in overtime, actually, now, if I recall. Um, It's been a while, and part of me could see that being the case this season. Um, But you never know. I am picking the Tampa Bay Lightning. I believe Colorado has an edge at forward depth. They're both equal at the top of their forward groups. McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog match Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos. But the rest of each lineup, to me, favors Colorado with Kadri leading the way of their depth. And every line on Colorado looks fast, where Tampa Bay tries to slow you down with the rest of their depth. You know, the Colton line and the Maroon line, they try to, like, dumb you down with those lines, where Colorado's just full steam ahead they're like the cocaine of the NHL. Just all four teams, boom, 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 and are all four lines, and it's just I'm picking Tampa Bay for one reason and one reason only. Because again, Colorado forward edge, Tampa Bay and Colorado are equal on defense, in my opinion. I never really asked you coaching advantage but we don't need to really go there. I think both coaches, Bednar and John Cooper are awesome. And I think Tampa Bay has a distinct goaltending advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think daddy Vasilevsky, I'm calling him daddy at this point. He's my daddy. <laughs> I mean, he just owns me. The last time the devils made the playoffs, they lost to Vasilevsky in the lightning. That's actually the last time Patrick Maroon lost the playoff series too. Yeah, go devils. Um, I'm picking the Tampa Bay lightning to win this series in seven games, because I think if they get to seven games, I think it's the type of game where Vasilevsky just stands on his head. Maybe they get to overtime and something, something strange is going to happen in this Stanley cup final. I also feel that too. It's not going to be your typical, you know, last year, the lightning just kind of pounded the Habs and then, you know, you'll always remember the lightning winning the second in a row, but it didn't have anything that like stood out exponentially Like 2014 when the Kings won, nobody will ever forget the Alec Martinez goal. In 2018 when the Capitals won, it was more about the celebration that followed because Ovechkin waited so long to win the Stanley Cup and the way he freaked out in Vegas and handed the cup to Backstrom and him and TJ Oshie swam in the pool or in the fountain in Vegas. like that. Moments like that, I have a feeling we're getting one of those this year just because each of these two teams are that good and that skilled. I think I said it earlier. This is like hockey porn of a Stanley Cup final. Sure. The the two teams with the most skill. Is there another team in the NHL with more skill top to bottom on their roster? Florida, maybe. The Bruins would have if they were fully healthy, maybe. Carolina's goaltending stinks, so I would put them if they had an elite goalie. Um, St. Louis, to me, is missing a game-breaking forward. The Wild to me, are missing a game-breaking defenseman. Um, I don't know. I just think from top to bottom, the Lightning and the Avalanche are the two most skilled teams. It's almost one of those finals where it's like, how didn't we see this coming? How didn't every single person in our bracket make this the final? Like, how dumb are we? The only two, two teams with an elite defenseman and multiple elite forwards are meeting in the Stanley Cup final. Woe is you. But I'm going with the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup. That's my prediction. So I ask you the follow-up question. Since we both think it's going to be relatively even, I'm sure you have a potential con Smythe Trophy winner, one from each team. Who are they?
1: From the Colorado Avalanche, got to be Kale McCarr. Just dude is having an unbelievable season at defense, and this postseason is just – honestly, it's just insane that he leads the entire team in points. I mean – he could score. He could play defense. He does it all. And if they win the Stanley Cup, it's going to be a huge part to Kale McCarr's play. You you wait, You watch and see. And on the other end, I'm so torn. <laughs> I'm so torn. Who to choose from Tampa? I think if Vasilevsky has an outstanding game, it's going to go to Vasilevsky. Or outstanding series, it's going to go to Vasilevsky. I guess right now I would go Nikita Kucherov um, just because, I don't know. I, that's just my gut. I really don't have a reason. I just, Nikita Kucherov could, you know, score some pretty big goals in the series and be awarded the uh, Khan Smythe. But if Vasilevsky does what he does best and stands on his head at the end of the series, they might award it to him too. I am really torn. I'm probably out of all the questions you've asked about who's going to win this award, this award, this is the most torn I've been. Probably. Is it going to be Kucherov or Vasilevsky from the lightning? I have no idea. Right now, I'll go with Kucherov.
0: I really like your your analysis there, Frank. I really do. I, I know that I think hockey does the playoffs right in terms of their MVP award that they hand out at the end because baseball hands out the World Series MVP. They don't take anything in the first three rounds into consideration. Same thing with the NBA. Same thing with the NFL. If Tom Brady throws for 300 yards of each of his first – three playoff games, but then their running back has four touchdowns and Tom doesn't pass for one in the super bowl. The running back would win the MVP, even though. So I think hockey's the only one that does it right by accumulating all four series into one to decide the MVP with that in mind. I do believe what happens in the Stanley cup final does carry a little more weight than the other series. Um, you might remember in 20, I want to say it was 2014. I keep going back because it was just such a memorable Stanley Cup final. The Kings beat the Rangers, and Justin Williams won the Conn Smythe Trophy, even though Kopitar was the team's leading scorer by a lot, but Williams led the series in scoring. And it's not the end-all be-all. If you suck the first three rounds and then have a really good final, you're not going to win the Conn Smythe Trophy. Like, if Ross Colton dominates the Stanley Cup final, he's not going to win the Conn Smythe Trophy, even though he's a really good player, gets credit for the 2021 Stanley Cup game-winning goal. Um, I just think anything could happen in this series with the top guys that could change things, but the leader from each team for me right now is Kael McCarr, and then I think Steven Stamkos is the leader for Tampa Bay if the playoffs were to end today. Like, going into the series, he's the leader right now, but there's something about what you said about Kucherov that resonates with me. If he comes out there and has just a huge series because Stamkos has been a little bit louder in the playoffs than him so far. And I do think Kucherov has the potential to be a slightly better offensive player than Stamkos, although not lately, but, and then Vasilevsky's in the mix as well. And then there's one guy on Colorado. uh, Stamkos is my prediction. So I am saying Stamkos is my prediction, but I recognize that Kucherov and Vasilevsky each could have a big series to steal that away. Makar's the leader in Colorado. If Nate Dog has 10 points in this series, a couple goals, maybe a GWG in overtime or something, I think he can earn that respect as well. Um, but I don't see that happening without the help of Kale McCarr. So I'm I'm really more high strung on Colorado's pick with Tampa Bay. It could go to any of those three.
1: Yeah, I mean I agree. Colorado is pretty easy for me, Makar, because I don't see McKinnon doing anything that's not gonna involve Makar. Yep. So I think Makar would just just automatically get it for that sense. But the Tampa Bay is just it's so hard for me to choose. I, I don't know. I I wouldn't be shocked if it went to Vasilevsky. Couple shutouts here in the play, in the Stanley Cup final, you know, just standing on his head, elite clinching series game to win the cup. You don't know. But um I guess I'll go with Kucherov right now. I got uh, that. Uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Could you see a loser getting it?
1: No, I mean I think it's happened before, right? But yeah. It's I I don't I don't times were different back then. I don't know if we'll ever see a loser win it win it again. To be honest with you, I mean it would have to be pretty freaking significant. Like McDavid would have to make the final, and he would have to have one of his series where he's got like. 45 points in the playoffs or something ridiculous. I, I don't think we're going to see it probably for a long time, if ever. I think those times are done. So I'm going to stick with whoever wins the Stanley Cup will have the Smythe winning player on their team.
0: That's fair. I think the potential for that to happen ended with McDavid getting eliminated. He has 33 points and Seidel has really 33. I don't think anybody's going to catch them. I think McDavid will end as the playoff scoring leader. Kucherov would need 10 points to pass him, and I don't think that's going to happen. Kale McCarr would need 11. McKinnon would need freaking 15. <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't think – I think the playoff scoring leader will be McDavid. There has been talk about a guy not even reaching the final, winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. Wouldn't that just be banana lands if Connor that's McDavid
1: – I don't think we'd see. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know. It'd be hard. It'd be really hard. But – He'll he'll be talked about. He'll be talked about. I mean, the only way I could see it happening is if each game ends one nothing and like Vasilevsky was hurt and like didn't contribute to any of those one like that's literally the only possible scenario that I could see Conor David actually walking away with that thing. But it's just it's just crazy how good those two are. But mm-hmm. I realize Kutrav. Kucherov has a lot of points. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, actually, I I might kind of reverse my thinking a little bit here. Kucherov's definitely in the lead for Tampa Bay. But Stamko's that game six. I don't know if they take, like, moments into consideration when they think about the Conn Smythe Trophy. They might. That was a a statue game.
1: I just think Kucherov overall has had a better playoffs.
0: Yeah. Just
1: statistically.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So – That's me and Frankie's discussion on the Stanley Cup Final. The game will be on ABC tonight at 7 p.m. The Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 2001 and the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 2021. Their third straight season in the Stanley Cup Final. The last team to win a third straight cup was when the Islanders won four straight in 1984. The Devils were two years or 83, excuse me. The Devils were two years old or one year old when the Lightning did that or when the Islanders did that in the 80s. Your reaction?
1: Uh, That's hilarious. I didn't know that off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. The Devils got to New Jersey in 82, and the Islanders won their third straight in 83, or their fourth straight in 83. But they consider that the most recent third straight because even though it was their fourth straight, it was also a third straight. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because if you exclude the very first one, it's still three in a row after that. Yeah. So at first I was like, why do they do that? And then I thought deeply about it. I'm like, well, because it is technically the last time a team won three straight cups. Mm -hmm. So we are going to talk a little hockey in the third period, but it's off-season level stuff. But it's more of a sports fun type of period, and we will go there now, period number three. Welcome to period three, Frank Barusi. <laughs> While we were on vacation, we were sitting outside and I go, Joe, Joey Parisi, big Bruins fan. Do you know your squad fired their head coach? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, they did it. <laughs> yeah, they did. The Boston Bruins fired Bruce Cassidy as their head coach, and that's what happens when this show takes a week off. We missed some of this news because we would have talked about that for sure, but since we had a week off, not only did he get fired, he got picked back up. He is now the third head coach in Vegas Golden Knights history. Your thoughts?
1: I can't wait to watch Brucey behind the Vegas Golden Knights yes. I tweeted right away. I retweeted it. I said I cannot wait. Um, got a couple two-tree likes on it. We know Vegas Golden Knights fans, they're excited. I'm excited. I think he's the perfect coach for this team, honestly. The Vegas Golden Knights team is so skilled, and now you got a very skilled coach. I just think things are just going to start clicking. Offense, defense, goaltending, I think he's going to know how to run this Vegas Golden Knights team. They will be back in the playoffs this year, or next year, I should say.
0: They should have been in this year, and they'd probably be in the Cup. Mm -hmm. at least in the conference, they could have beat Edmonton. There's no doubt in my mind that they got boned by injuries this year. I mean, if you think about where the Lightning were in 2017, or maybe it was 2016, sorry, it was 2016, the Lightning missed the playoffs by one point. Point was hurt, Stamkos was hurt, Kucherov was hurt. I think Hedman was even hurt, and Vasilevsky wasn't the Vasilevsky that you know today. Mm -hmm. They missed the playoffs by one point make some good draft picks, bringing guys like Ross Colton, make trades for Patrick Maroon, Blake Coleman. Those guys move on. They replace him with Nick Paul, Brandon Hagel. Now they're a well-oiled machine. That's probably going to be in contention for the Stanley Cup as long as Kucherov and Stamkos are in their prime. Okay. I believe the same thing can be said for the Vegas Golden Knights. I honestly think In six to seven years, they could be working on their third straight cup or their second straight cup or even just winning one. They'd be happy to win one in their first 10 years of existence. They were in the Stanley Cup final in year one. It was a bit lucky. A lot of those guys overperformed. Gerard Gallant was a really good coach for them. And, of course, they had the flower, Marc-Andre Fleury in the middle of his prime. Like, a lot of teams would be good. The Hawks were better than they looked because of Marc-Andre Fleury this year. That speaks volumes of how good he is. And he's five years older than he was back then. So – this Vegas Golden Knights team, now they're going to have a higher er, than average for them pick. It's still 15th overall, but like that's high for them, and they'll probably get a good player to store in their prospect system or trade for a defenseman that they need later, and they have Jack Eichel reporting to training camp healthy next year. None of this mid-season neck surgery, first time in NHL history that a player got that surgery, and then Tyler Johnson got, became the second like three weeks later, Um None of that. They're going to have Stone fully healthy. He was hurt for most of this year. Pacioretty might get traded, but if he's not, he's still there. Obviously, Alex Patrangelo is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. They really have to figure out goaltending. Is Robin Leonard going to be the guy there? Do they burn their bridges with another goalie? We'll figure that part out. I'm sure Bruce Cassidy has a plan on how to mend that fence. He seems like that kind of coach. Um I agree with you. I think it's the perfect fit, and Vegas is going to be right back in the mix next year pending health.
1: I can't wait. Honestly, you have no idea. It's going to be electric.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because during, like, the dog days of the season, you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait for the playoffs, and I can't wait for the weather to be warm and like baseball's coming, and then you get to baseball season, both of the teams in town. Well, the Sox might pull out of it. We'll see. But they both have stunk so far. It's 98 degrees. You're sweaty. It sucks. And you're like, hey, but it'll be October eventually. The Vegas Golden Knights will be back eventually. We'll be able to watch them soon.
1: Yeah, and I made a joke to Joey. I'm like, you know, if the Hawks pick up uh – uh bruce cassidy instead of me saying brucey to you you're gonna say brucey to me but to me this is the second best option for me because i you know how much i love vegas and i still want him to say brucey
0: brucey joey's gonna have a personal vendetta though because i think the bruins are gonna suck i do they could if mac mcavoy is out for five months marshan's out for six Grizzlick's out for five i do think crechey's gonna come back if bergeron retires or they trade pasta i don't know man i don't know they got a, they're gonna have a new coach i have a feeling they're gonna hire david quinn but we'll see what happens there quinn was awful for the rangers but they were mostly young the bruins are a veteran playoff experience group that I think David Quinn could probably thrive with, but we'll see. There was another coaching hire. Um, Bucci was first to report it a couple weeks ago, but, you know, it was not, like, confirmed, confirmed. But John Tortorella is going to become the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. I would say the Philadelphia Flyers have the worst roster in the Metropolitan Division. They traded Giroux. Voracek's not there anymore. Cam Atkinson's always hurt. They acquired – they got rid of Gostas Bear. Provorov is still there, obviously. Uh, Konechny's there. Carter Hart, We. I'm still waiting for him to become an elite goalie. I think it's possible, but we're still, like, waiting for him to become just, like, a average to better-than-average goalie to, like, an elite one. He has that potential, obviously. Tortorella has gotten a lot out of those types of rosters in the past, though. I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets – in their last year with Panarin, they swept the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that kind of lit a fire under Tampa's ass. Now they're about to be in the cup for the third straight year. But you get what I'm saying. He always gets the most out of teams that he coaches. What's your reaction to this?
1: Um, I just think it's ironic because when I think I love John Tortorella, I just think he's funny. Um, when I think of him, I think of the New York Rangers, obviously. Um. That's my fondest memories of him. He's just always got that smug look. You know, he's like always smiling, smirking. Even when he's upset, he's always got the like smile, but it's like a pissed smile when he's angry. Uh, and now he goes to Philly, which you go from New York to Philadelphia. I just think it's kind of ironic. Um, I. Huh? Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, huh? you
1: know, yeah, things you things know what I mean. In but I'm saying like prominent. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Rams, and now with the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I honestly didn't ever think I'd see him go to the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't know how he's going to fit in with this team, though. I mean, it's if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm excited to get towards, for sure. Um, it's just a different team than what he was used to coaching on the New York Rangers. There's a lot of young guys on this team where when he was coaching the Rangers, there were a lot of vets. Um, I don't know. I, I think – I guess I'm going to say it's good. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know how, where my where I stand on this. Obviously, if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm pumped.
0: Yeah, you mean Flyers.
1: Well, yeah, Philly, I meant. <laughs> if I'm a I fan. Do
0: I do it all the time. I wrote an article yesterday, and I called the 49ers the Giants, and Aldo actually sent me a text being like, hey, you know, you called the <laughs> – San Francisco 49ers, the San Francisco Giants. And Francisco. for those of you who know me, you know that the San Francisco Giants are like my, my – they're my favorite National League team kind of by far. And it was just really funny to me that like I had the Giants on my mind. I'm writing an article. It had to do with the Miami Dolphins first-round draft pick that belonged to the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. And it led to the them trading up to select Trey Lance. But – Anyway, it happens to me all the time. I'm not sure how to feel about it either. What?
1: I watch so many sports that sometimes these things slip my mind.
0: Yeah. I st- And you know what's funny? I started that exact article with, and it's a Bears article, obviously. I started off by saying, they Chicago White Sox. And I had to delete <laughs> White Sox and change it to Bears. It happens to me all the time. Hey, I'm a multi-sport fan. I,
1: I just don't know how he's going to fit in here. Like I said, if I'm a Flyers fan... I'm happy about it. I like when teams that I'm a fan of get veteran coaches. But I just don't know how he's going to mess with with the lineup that the Flyers have right now. It's a good start for the franchise, for sure. But we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure about Torts anymore. I'm kind of out on him. I'm more out on Philly's roster. And I don't think... I don't think Torts is going to be the one to be the knight in shining armor and fix it. They need new players. And if the Flyers suck, I'm not going to blame Torts. I'm not. I'm going to blame their shitty roster. Their best player is Cam Atkinson. So we'll see what happens. I believe that Mr. App Trigger himself, Frankie Mueller, it's been a big week in the video game industry. There was no E3, but each – Company had their own press conference announcing shit. Um, I have not caught up even slightly. I didn't watch. I'm a big fan of kind of funny games on YouTube. I don't know if anybody watching this has heard of them. Greg Miller, they all used to work for IGN. Now they have their own company. I mean, I say their own company. They've been kind of funny games for like eight years now. But um, I haven't watched any of their recap videos or anything yet. The only thing I've seen is a couple tidbits from your articles, but I know you have plenty of updates for me now.
1: Yeah, you know, there's been so much that's gone on since June 1st, and that doesn't even include Nintendo. And Nintendo Direct's coming later this June. I don't know if there's a specific date for it yet, but there's just so much to talk about that I'm just going to skim through some major points that happens because there's just not enough time in the day that we could talk about all the stuff that was announced and went on. So first off, um, Vin, you like Call of Duty, don't you?
0: I love Call of Duty.
1: We talked about Call of Duty on the last podcast when I gave my video game update. Um, We got some news that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 will have a beta. Um, Not too surprising with the nowadays, everything seems to have a beta. Um, It was leaked on Amazon that potentially August 15th could be the uh, date for the beta. To me, that makes no sense. I'm going to go on the record right now and say there's no shot that august 15th is the date for the beta um i just think it was a mess up by amazon um if i had to guess it would come late september early october just based on what we've seen in past years august is way too soon for a beta but nonetheless. If you want to be a part of the beta, all you got to do is you could pre-order the video game now, and then when codes get sent out, you will will become a part of the beta, and you get to play the game earlier. Um, It's a lot of fun. I I tend to do it for Call of Duty games, so I encourage everybody else as well. Another big thing that was announced, uh, Overwatch 2. Uh, I haven't played Overwatch myself personally, but I know there are a lot of Overwatch fans out there, and Overwatch 2 is actually going to be free to play. So. If you haven't gotten your feet wet with the franchise, maybe now's the time to do so. You don't even have to pay a dime. So. Um, also, Forza Motorsport, which was just visually incredible. It's the first Forza Motorsport game since 2017. They kind of strayed away with their Forza Horizon series, um, and they did a lot of like Forza, Horizon, Forza Horizon 4, Forza Horizon 5. Release some DLC, but the last Forza Motorsport game was in 2017, and now they're kind of going back to the, the Motorsport uh, franchise there. Visually, is just incredible. I was sitting there watching a clip from the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase, and G was sitting next to me. She goes, wait, that's a video game? I go, yeah, that's a video game. Um, it is probably the greatest-looking racing video game of all time. The graphics are just outstanding, we're in a video game time right now where the technology is just at its peak, just getting better. And I just I couldn't believe that it, what I was seeing was a video game. It, it looked like we had a live-looking shot at some of these race car tracks. It was absolutely insane. Um, Minecraft Legends was announced next Minecraft game in the Minecraft franchise. It's going to be a strategy-based game. I kind of got Clash of Clans vibes in it. I don't know how that will work on a console. It's gonna obviously be different than that, but that was my first take and what I saw. Should be pretty cool. I like the various Minecraft spin-offs. Minecraft Dungeons was a lot of fun. Played that with Joey a little bit. We streamed it. So Minecraft Legends will be coming out in 2023. Diablo 4. No, there's a lot of Diablo fans out there. Um, they take a lot of time off in between. Diablo 3, I think, came out 11 years ago or 12 years ago or something like that and then before that Diablo 2 came out like 10 or 11 years ago so they take and we're talking about decades that these guys take off they've released stuff in they've released stuff in between such as various DLCs um, i think there was a free to play mobile game immortals that came out this year so stuff like that but if we're talking main games Diablo 4 that was announced to be coming out and i remember when we were in high school then a lot of people would talk about Diablo it was a big game that a lot of people talked about um, so it's a lot, it's exciting for a lot of people. And then perhaps one of the biggest announcements that came, I think it was the last announcement of the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase was Starfield. Um, I don't know a ton about it. I just know it's like Bethesda's next big game. And there are areas in the game that are apparently the biggest that Bethesda has ever created bigger than any areas they've created in Skyrim, bigger than just gigantic areas in the map um i'm excited about it it looks like something that i would play or be interested in i don't really have a closed mind on any video games a lot of people are like i don't want to play that because it's a single player They don't got multiplayer but i'm, I'm opposite I'll, I'll give everything a try i just think that right now we're in the biggest video game era that we perhaps have ever been in and you know you get the people who says like oh i don't have time for video games which that's probably like the lousiest excuse that I've ever heard from somebody because if you got video games are just like movies they're interactive movies you're basically controlling a movie right they have great storylines a lot of people don't understand that they're not just you're not playing pong on the nes uh people think that video games just have no purpose they're not there's no point to them but no they have just storylines just like a normal movie does and when people say they don't have time for video games but you have time to watch a two-hour movie or even three-hour movie in your house, in your bedroom, in your basement. You have time to do that, but you don't have two hours to take out and play basically an interactive movie. So I highly encourage anybody to everybody to start getting in the games right now. This is one of the best eras you could possibly be in visually. Um it's just it's just incredible and there's a lot of good stuff to come.
0: And you can make sure that you follow at the King Bean on Twitter and read all of his work at apptrigger.com. For future updates as this stuff starts to come out. Did you watch the episode of Obi-Wan that we missed while we were in Door County?
1: Say that one more time. You're like lagging.
0: I, I said, did you watch the episode of Obi-Wan that we missed while we were in Door County?
1: Yeah, I'm all caught up. I, The one that came out today, I didn't watch. So I, I need to watch episode five.
0: Yep, same. I watched the one from Dork County that we missed today, and man, it was sick.
1: It was good. I think yeah, I like the it, third episode better. In my opinion. well, yeah,
0: the third episode. I'd be a little surprised if it's not the best one of the series.
1: I don't know. I think the finale we're in for a treat.
0: Yeah, that that could be. I didn't even think of that. You're you're probably right there, but that's the best one so far. Absolutely. Three.
1: I've I haven't gotten anything spoiled for episode five. Um, obviously, I mean, it just came out. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to watch it. I will have it watched by the end of tonight. I think, um, no spoil. It's hard to talk about cause I don't want to spoil anything. I just mm-hmm. hope we see a little more Vader in this one. I think we haven't seen him enough or as much as I'd like bits and pieces, but, uh, I don't know. I'm really enjoying the series. It's one of my favorite star Wars shows.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I've heard some I didn't get anything spoiled either, but I've heard some big things about this episode 5 and I'm excited to watch it. Mm-hmm. Besides this what are you watching this weekend? Besides the Stanley Cup final as well. because
1: Yeah, obviously. I mean that's just a given. You shouldn't even have to ask that. Um, you know what? AGT started. America's Got Talent. Uh-huh. This has been one of the best seasons, in my opinion, to start off through the first three episodes. There's a lot of stuff that Normally, I'm not a fan of, and I'm like, wow, this is actually really good. And there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen before, so I've been I've been really enjoying that. I finished Stranger Things four, episodes eight and nine will be released July first. Um, I can't wait for that. But yeah, for part one in the books, watch some more Clone Wars, and maybe by this time next week, Ben, we will have started Game of Thrones. <laughs>
0: it's about damn time. Yeah. For the love of salmon sandwiches. You're gonna respond to that? It's about damn time.
1: Oh, for yeah. oh, the
2: love of salmon sandwiches.
1: I it's not that I never wanted to watch it. It's just you gotta get there. You know? I have a very open mind. I'll watch anything. Oh, same. Um it's just a matter of when's the perfect time to do it. Yeah, I think we're about. getting to that perfect time right now. Playoffs are winding down. Um, it's just it just feels like the perfect time to start. Vacation's yeah. over, just I don't have to worry about any roadblocks, I don't think, unless something unexpected happens. But yeah,
0: you're right, and there is about a week and a half until. We become one-sport athletes until the NFL preseason starts. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a slower time on the sports calendar coming up here, but we'll be balls deep in baseball, of course, as well. Um, Very much looking forward to that. But we have some bags drama to uh, get to here.
1: Yeah, that's and all am You're going to make a statement on it. So I'm going to
0: make it. a statement on it right here, right now. For those who don't know, Frankie Mueller every summer hosts a bags tournament. It is obviously a tournament of cornhole that is double elimination. Each team puts in, is it $10 a person, 20 a team?
1: 20 a team, 10 a person.
0: 20 a team, 10 a person, unless you're kind enough to pay for your partner and pay the whole 20. I have never done that. Um, huh. <laughs> Normally, there are a lot of teams. So it starts, what, 11, 10 a.m.? And it really ends around 6, 7 o'clock at night. It goes. Yeah, I like to start it at
1: noon I mean, Just because. Yeah. Uh,
0: that you makes know, sense.
1: You, you can't start it too late. We're losing daylight. I mean, it stays light, you know, late till after 8 o'clock. But still, you like to start it earlier because then after the tournament's over, last year we just chilled.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was and really nice. Frankie has a pool, for those who don't know. And so it's a bags tournament slash party slash food, swimming. It's literally just the whole package. Skylar Reese, find a partner, my man. Skylar (laughs) could come, right?
1: Anybody could come.
0: Yeah. Skylar, you find yourself a bags partner. Join the bags tournament. But it is time for my official statement. I will be screen recording this and putting it on Facebook for everybody to see. So my official statement On the 2022 Bags Tournament, Joey Gate. Joey has ditched Harry to be partners with his girlfriend, Sarah. Harry is none too pleased. Joey has now ditched his second person in the tournament as a whole. He's becoming a locker room cancer. And I have nothing to do with it. Joey wants to be partners with whoever he wants to. That's entirely up to him. Harry, I offered you my hand to be your partner in Joey's absence. I'll be your partner. I'm cool. I'm good. I was in the finals once, and I came in fourth last year. My finishes are second and fourth.
1: Hey, I finished fourth.
0: Then I finished third.
1: Because fourth didn't get any prize money. We, we finished right before the prize. Did you?
0: I finished right before the money, too. I'll go back and look at the tweets. I was in the top five twice. Yeah, One yeah. was second. Okay, I'm a good player. I, I, You're a good player too, Harry. We can form a championship-level team. It would really stick it to Joey if you picked me. But no, you're going to go pick somebody else? What does that prove? If it weren't for me, Harry, you wouldn't know that Joey wasn't leaving you. I can't believe what we're talking about here. If it weren't for my kindness reaching out to you to tell you that this tomfoolery was happening, you would show up on Bags Tournament Day with your finger up your butt. (laughs) Okay, Harry? I can't believe that you are choosing to be with someone else other than me. But, as always, Caitlin is wildly disappointed in me for not choosing her to be her partner. Joey's choosing his girlfriend. Frank, are you choosing your
1: girlfriend? I am not. I am not. Competitively... We've discussed it. She agrees with it. She thinks that I should be with somebody else. And, yeah, I, I think I'd have a better chance, you know, with somebody else. And I'm sure okay. you do, too. There's nothing.
0: I just want to be Harry's partner. And I will ask him one more time if he would like to be my partner in this Bags tournament. We will keep track of the entire Bags tournament as part of this show for entertainment purposes. I'm sure everybody's wildly interested to know what comes of this. But there's some unsettled business here. I'm making enemies in this backs tournament. There's lots of drama. we got backstabbing, we got politics. It's all bullshit, okay? And I'm coming for that championship, whether it's with you or without you, Harry. you make that decision. you, not me, not Frankie, not Ron, not Hermione, you.
1: Hey, I mean, you could be with Katie.
0: That's my statement. Maybe I will be with Katie. Ruin everyone's life. Me and her. Own all of you. But that's my statement on the 2022 Joey Gate. I'm sure there will be follow-up comments in the coming weeks. July 9th. Be there or be square.
1: The podcast after that is just going to be – we have to talk about it.
0: Oh. Oh. That might be the whole period. I mean, it'll be fully balled deep in the NHL offseason. I believe July 9th. Now that I think about it, July 9th. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine.
1: What the hell? Secretly, Katie's being with G. They're turning against us. (laughs) Could you imagine?
0: If they win, dinner on them.
1: Benefits us.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure free agency starts July 9th, which would actually make my life a living hell because that would mean like mid bags tournament. Oh, New Jersey signs a deal with so-and-so. I'm either ignoring it or like doing both at the same time. Like I'm, I hope that's not the case actually, but everything's pushed back a little bit than it normally is because of COVID pushing back this season just slightly. Um, but, hey, we'll all make it work. I'm excited about this summer with this show, even during the offseason. A lot of shows stop during the sports offseason. We're not going nowhere after the Stanley Cup final is over. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I'm, uh, so. I'm enjoying this chat going on right now <laughs> in the bottom right. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not focused right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, now we got <laughs> Nick Wayne in the group.
1: Saying, just gonna show up this
0: is, he says, I am offended. This is blasphemy. We don't know if you're going. If you ever said you were going, did yeah, he put Nick he was White, going? What the going on? Respond. Did he, did he put he was going? No, I don't I just, think so. And he didn't go the first year. So I just can't assume. You text me right now that you're going, pal, and you have a partner. But I just can't assume you're going. I, I know you have a very serious job. Oh, no more drama. Oh, no, I'll 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 handle all the drama. Oh, I speak the truth.
1: There's so much drama surrounded this league.
0: This league.
1: It's this it's league. actually anybody who has airy ends in airy just should be on watch. Or Oe. Well, Joey left Larry. Joey left Harry.
0: Oh.
1: Any everybody was ends in Aerie. He left Larry. Harry.
0: Wait, what's that SpongeBob scene? Larry, Gary? I have never even told you about Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> or something. That's not exactly it, but it's something along those lines. Joey's gonna find a partner named Jerry. That's what's actually gonna
1: happen. Oh my god, could you imagine?
0: Yeah I could actually. Because you- Joey only has Joey only has like a history of having like a bags partner for like two years at a time.
1: I mean, you and Nick did good.
0: Yeah, we did. I'm not against having Nick as my partner. I just don't know if he's going. He knows how to find me. <laughs> he knows how to find me. Both of my partners weren't there the other year. Cause I had Anthony the first year and then he yeah. left me. Everyone's always leaving me. What are you offended for? Nick <laughs> for real.
1: We're less than a month away.
0: Less than a month away. At the end of the day, despite all the drama, it is by far a wait. top three day of the whole summer. I
1: can't the wait.
0: whole summer. So make sure you keep it here for all your Frankie Mueller bags tournament drama that is mostly caused by somebody with the last name Parisi. Um, <laughs> um, obviously, it was a great show covering the Stanley Cup final. Make sure you tune into the game tonight. Between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche, I am so excited. It is literally going to be the greatest series of the whole postseason. When we first started in October, doing previews of the season, and I watched the New Jersey Devils win in overtime against the Chicago Blackhawks at Rivers Casino and doing a pregame show for every single New Jersey Devils game with my good friend, friend Sam Wu, which will be returning next season. It has all come down to this series between these two teams it's been so much fun i love every second of it more than i could put into words i'm so excited for this series and we will have a recap of everything that has happened in games one two and three on next week's show here on bar down talking hockey of the Barroom network of course you can watch the rest of the Barroom network shows starting with obviously greg gabriel talking football tonight you have the mac and reed show at 7 p.m central time. And at 9 PM, it is science fiction where they were, I'm sure be going over what happened in episode five of Obi-Wan Kenobi and all the stuff going on in the nerdy world. Um, I love that stuff obviously. So make sure you check them out. Of course, tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, crosstown crosstalk. I'll be talking. I'm not going to give away anything, but some heavy Chicago Cubs talk coming tomorrow based on my guest. Um, I'll give you a head start by telling you to follow fan sided It's Cubbies Crib on Twitter.com. It is the get
2: your torches.
0: that describes the bags tournament. Obviously you can follow Cubby's Crib, get all the Cubs stuff. That was perfect for me talking about the Cubs too, because when I talk about the Cubs, I want to get my torch and I'm sure Cubs fans probably feel that way after losing eight straight last night, even though they had a five, nothing lead thanks to Wilson Contreras early in the game. But You know, I'm excited to talk baseball tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk. There's obviously all sorts of great shows on the Barroom Network. Football's coming up slowly but surely. Um, Robert Quinn not reporting to minicamp. That was recapped on Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls last night. I have trade packages on that on DewindyCity.com that Aldo Gandia actually helped me with. I reached out to him yesterday for some information and opinions on the whole Robert Quinn thing and what the Bears might be able to get for him in certain trades, and – he, without hesitation, helped me on that article, and I'm very deeply appreciative to him. So thank you very much. You can check it out on DawindyCity.com. Frank, what a show.
1: We're forgetting breaking bets.
0: You really – you. every person on this show serves a purpose, okay? I'm not perfect. I have it right here on my sheet. But I could it's, be it, you frank- know, There's no, no, you don't have to be quick. There's nothing wrong with previewing all that stuff, though, before we get to America's favorite segment of the week Breaking Bets.
2: Where's my money, bitch?
0: I would prefer you watch Breaking Bad before Game of Thrones, but that's just me.
1: Well we talked about it we're gonna watch Breaking Bad after Thrones We got stuff lined up
0: all right I'll I'll take it I'll take it Breaking Bad Breaking Bad is Albert Poohhole no not Albert Pujols. Breaking Bad is Mike Trout no Breaking Bad is Barry Bonds and Game of Thrones is Frank Thomas. The best five years of Frank Thomas's career are probably the best offensive years in MLB history. But Barry Bonds, over the course of his whole career, was worlds better than Frank Thomas. Breaking Bad over the whole show is better than Game of Thrones, but the best of Game of Thrones is better than um, Breaking Bad. So Aldo basically asks the same question. Which show has the best ending, Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones? It's Breaking Bad. Game of Thrones has a trash ending. Breaking Bad has the perfect ending.
1: See, I feel like I'm going to like the Game of Thrones ending.
0: Yeah, but you're like, you're you. Because like. You're a contrarian.
1: It's like every time you guys hate something, I like it. I like it.
0: Yeah, but like, what do you hate? Like, Here's my thing. I'm like that too. Normally, everybody, all oh, this sucks. This, this. I'm like, ah, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. I genuinely hated it. Like, the Dylan, way like we're out.
1: watching like Clone Wars right now, and Dylan goes, You don't have to watch every season. I'm like, Yes, I do. That's just who I am. I don't care how, yeah, bad
0: don't it listen is. to him. He's a hater.
1: I was like, He's He goes, hater. I could just send you the arcs to watch. And I'm like, No, I, I need to for my purpose, for me personally, I need to watch it. I don't care. Like, yeah. I, and I'm enjoying it, even the bad arcs, I'm enjoying.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Don't listen to him; he's a hater. But the Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones ending, it was just disappointing. Like I was like, I cannot believe that that's the direction they chose to go. And <laughs> Aldo's comment about singing and dancing. Yeah, now Frankie's going to be really clueless on what to expect, especially after he gets through season five. He's going to be like, "What the fuck was Aldo talking about?" Frank, your bets.
1: Well, got a couple for you guys. A few actually. Um, keeping it simple for the Stanley Cup Final, just because it's Game One, don't really know what to expect. I like Colorado money line minus one forty nine. I do think Colorado is going to win the series, and it starts with winning on home ice. And dropping the first game is not going to help them win the Cup. So I think they, uh, according to Aldo down here, he's got it at one sixty. I saw it at minus one forty nine. Even better if you get it at minus one forty nine. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say. Stanley cup final starts tonight, seven o'clock on ABC tune in. And I think there's value on the home team, the Colorado avalanche. Second pick I got is a prop bet, a player prop bet for pitchers. Um, I don't know what it is to be honest with you, but whatever the McClanahan's over in strikeouts is the highest I've ever seen. It is six and a half for any pitcher. It was six and a half last time I checked for him for other games um, he just doesn't throw under six K's. It's just, if you look at his past game, it's like 10, 9, 7, 9, 7. So whatever the over is, even if it's seven, seven and a half, I would take the over on strikeouts playing the Yankees. It's just, he's a strikeout. And and a strikeout. A is it six and a half? On
0: DraftKings, it's six and a half. I've,
1: I've never seen a, a strikeout counter higher than six and a half, so. Six and a half. There you go. I think it's you just gotta do it. It he's a strikeout machine. I've watched it every game closely, every time he's pitched. I've I've watched it very closely, and he just he just gets a ton of strikeouts. I don't know. He's a swing and miss guy. So leads to my last pick. Um the Milwaukee Brewers are playing the New York Mets in New York, and the Mets are dogs. they're plus 120 at home. I, the Mets have been playing really good lately. The Brewers have lost four or five. Pitching favors the Brewers slightly. Um, who's pitching? Burns, I think it is. And for the Mets, it is, hold on, Peterson. Both are great pitchers. Both, I mean, obviously Burns is more, you know, I don't know, consistent maybe you could say. He's got a better ERA, but I, I, to me, I treat them both as kind of equal. I'd give the edge to the home team here. Take the Mets at plus 120. I think there's great value there, and that's what I got for you.
0: You got two six-and-a-halves on the board today, on DraftKings at least. For what? Um, for strikeouts.
1: Yeah, I've never two seen them.
0: It's uh, obviously McClanahan and then Corbin Burns for the Milwaukee Brewers. That's actually – they're both plus but it's a little surprising.
1: Does Burns get that many strikeouts? Man, oh, yeah. Many Corbin,
0: them. yeah, Corbin Burns is a strikeout machine. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure uh Burns and or the Brewers and the White Sox have the best Ks per 9 in the MLB because I always like when Giolito, Copeck, Cease and Lynn are on the mound, I like the over for strikeouts for them too. So yeah.
1: I've seen strikeouts pretty low, as low as three-and-a-half and as mm-hmm. high as six-and-a-half. So, yep, that's what yeah. I got for you guys.
0: Um, Flaherty's at three-and-a-half today, but the under is the favorite. Or well, the dog. yeah, because
1: he has The under is the dog. I would take the under. He hasn't pitched.
0: Yeah, He's that's rusty. true. This Killian kid from the Cubs, though, they got him in the Chris Bryant trade. I wrote an article about it when he was first called up. To make that start, it was the doubleheader against the Cardinals a couple weekends ago. Mm -hmm. Um, His under is three and a half. I don't know about that. The over is the favorite, but three and a half is low. Yeah, like you feel like even the like Dallas Keuchel would get four strikeouts a game.
1: I hear you. He's not
0: a swing and miss pitcher, so that's our show. It was a great time previewing the Stanley Cup final earlier in the show. We did all that. We talked a little Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Obi-Wan, some NHL off-season news, a little Bags Tournament drama, Door County recap. Told you about all the great shows on the Barroom Network. It was a great show. Is there anything you have left to say before we head on out of here?
1: No, I like what we covered. I think we covered a little bit of everything. Uh, We took a little break for vacation. Um, The break, I think, kind of helped we got to talk about Bruce Cassidy um, Torts, stuff that we may not, I don't remember when that news broke, but may, stuff we may not have gotten to talk about um, last week. So yeah, no, I think we did a pretty good job of covering everything and I encourage everybody to watch who hasn't, but if you're listening to this, then you're obviously watching. So
0: yeah. And like <laughs> I said, make sure you're watching the Stanley cup final game one tonight, ABC very much looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be an exciting time, and you can always catch everything at Barroom Network on Twitter, um, at the King Bean on Twitter. Always posting articles about video game nuances and news and stuff like that. And then I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter, covering the White Sox, um, all the Chicago teams, and the New Jersey Devils for you, and just general comments on sports and stuff. So it's been good. I'm having fun with it. Life is good right now. Nice weather. Make sure you hit the pool. Stay hot or stay cool out there. I almost said stay warm because that's how miserable we are from November to May each year. But now that we're firmly in June and it's hot, enjoy yourself and stay safe out there. Frankie and I will be back next Wednesday to recap what has been in the Stanley Cup final and preview what we will see in the rest of the series from that point on. Obviously, things will be a little bit more known and easier to dissect at that point in time, because we'll have seen these two teams match up against each other. So very much looking forward to it. Um, I can't stress it enough to make sure that you're following at the King Bean on Twitter, at Vinnie Parisi on Twitter. And as always love hockey, love family. Thank you for listening.
2: Hello. Today we're going to talk about the invention of Coca-Cola America's favorite soft drink. So like in the 1800s, John Pemberton, he was like, I wanna make a fake medicine that made women think that they'll never be nervous or have farts. And make men think that they can be smarter. So he decided to use a new ingredient, coca. Coca. A plant. The South Americans would chew it and be like, "We had so much energy and we weren't even hungry and we hiked the whole Andes." (laughs) But really, they were just on cocaine. Frank Robinson, (laughs) who was like, "Okay, well, I'll help you to sell your um, medicine soda drink thingy. First of all, you should um, change the K in the cola to a C, and and just call it what it is, Coca." Cola and the two C's will look really nice next to each other and who wouldn't love that and people did like it a Lot. Oh, this is like a great drink. They thought that it made them like Invigorated and aware people are basically drinking little cocaine soda Me <laughs> me 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 I need more. I wish I was alive then to drink the co 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 cola <laughs> <laughs>